0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. Hey, my name's Chris. I'm so glad that you guys chose to fight the coldness and uh, come in today. And uh, we're going to look forward to what God's going to do here. Hey, if you would, at the very beginning, if you could pull out this card that was in your program called the connect card, uh, that would uh, help us out. If you can just fill that out, it would be a way for me to connect with you and uh, get to know you a little bit better and uh at the end of the celebration uh I'll kind of tell you what to do with that and then also if you um want to fill this out on our app uh you can by just going to the jar app and uh filling that out and that would be great uh what you just saw was a uh, commercial uh our iquick commercial that we've been running on Facebook and uh what I'd like you to do is to take a moment if you would and to pull out your uh smartphone Uh, If it's not smarter than you, okay? And uh, if you can just go ahead and take that particularly and go ahead and share that on your Facebook page. Now, I realize not all of you are Facebook people. So uh, if you're not, what I'd like you to do is to take out your phone and text one person to invite them to come next week, okay? So it's 10 or it's 11 o'clock right now. So if they're not up by now, wake them up, okay? So uh, I'm going to do this too. One, invite one person or uh, go ahead and put it on Facebook and we'll put some mood music on here. Okay, and whenever you're ready, just push send. We'll all push send and uh, we'll see if uh, some of those folks will come. Well, hey, um, let's go ahead and let's begin with some prayer and then we'll jump into the teaching. Holy Spirit, we uh, welcome you into this place. You were here long before uh, we ever got here. But now we ask, God, that you would stir in our hearts to help us to hear from you. So, God, uh, speak to us. Our ears are open. Our hearts are ready. Uh, Do what only you can do so that your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know somebody who complains all the time? Raise your hand if you know somebody who complains all the time. Okay, Uh, big time complainer. Okay. How many of you are that person? Okay, raise your hand. There you go. Honesty, that's good. That's good. Uh, we like that. Um, now, you know, it's very interesting to me that uh, people who complain about everything. Have you ever just noticed that there are some people, they complain no matter what. They complain about the weather. Uh, they complain about their work. They complain about uh The service is too slow. They get to McDonald's and they complain that their hamburger isn't out in three minutes. And they're like, this is not right. You know, it's not right that they would be this slow. And for some people, the only spiritual gift that they have is the spiritual gift of complaining. I mean, I don't know what it is. They just kind of excel in this particular gift. So I wanted to try to get a kind of perspective of uh, what... This whole thing of complaining is about. So I went to Facebook and I asked this question, what are you tempted to complain about? And I put that out there and I thought to myself, I'd probably only get a dozen results or something like that. Within 30 seconds, I got the first result. And by the end, I had 97 comments, okay? So I'm not talking about little likes, you know, like a little like is like, ah, I like it. I don't like it, whatever. Just want you to know that you're still my friend, even though I don't like you like, you know. But these were comments. People thought about this and they put it down. And so I went ahead and I put together the most common complaints that my friends on Facebook had. And then I had a few others that I wanted to share with you that I thought were interesting. Uh, First of all, several people complained about not having enough time. I don't have enough time to get the things that I want to get done. Some people complained about their jobs. Okay? How many of you have ever complained about your job before? Okay? Okay. Hopefully your boss is not here right now, all right? Um, Others complained about stupid drivers. Anyone complain about stupid... Look at that, more hands. Just mass confession here. Uh, Other people, they complained about their family. They complained about negative people. Now, I'm not making a statement with this. I'm just telling you what the facts were. But I looked through all of these, and there were more women than men that... Uh, We're a part of my Facebook survey here, okay? So here's what ladies complained about. They complained about their kids. They said, my kids are driving me crazy, okay? Now, other people complained about their husbands, uh, women did, and that they weren't meeting their expectations. Uh, One said this, my husband, that's who I'm complaining about, he makes messes in the house, dirty shoes walking in, dropping crumbs on the floor, says he will never be, uh, or he will be careful next time, but he never is. Okay? Don't raise your hand, wives, but uh, some of you might know that. Okay? Now, what about the men? What did the men then actually complain about? Okay? This is what the men complain about they complain about finances. They complained about body aches that they had in their body. They complained about politics. They complained about culture. They complained about uh, people who put their work down. Uh, They complained about people not respecting them. One guy said this, uh, the way people trash truck drivers, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't get anything. (laughs) Got some issues there, you know. (laughs) One guy said this, I complain against people who are complaining. Okay? That was his. That was one of my neighbors actually, so. Another complaint this when the toilet paper is not on the right way. Yes. yes. Okay, so we're gonna resolve this today. Over or under.
1: Over
0: Let the complaints begin, right? You know, it's just like here it goes. And then there were some people you know, I'm kinda of offended by this, honestly. I'm offended by this. There were some people that took the liberty. complain about me one person I'm not going to mention names one person actually put down when it said what are you most tempted to complain about you know what they put my pastor and you know what else this is what else another person said I'm complaining about your golf game Chris that was one and then we had one person I'm not telling you who it is but they said, I'm complaining about my boss, and they work on staff, okay? <laughs> so there's some issues. And I went and I told that person, you're complaining against Jesus, because that's who's out of the
1: staff. <laughs>
0: now, I think most of us, we joke about and We're like, yeah, yeah, complaining, complaining. But complaining's not really that big a deal, is it? Like, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, everybody does it. I see people doing it all the time. It's no biggie. And if you look in scripture, one of the things that you'll find is that example after example after example is filled with complainers. In fact, if you go to the very first story of the Bible, the first story of humanity, God places two people in a garden. It's paradise. It's heaven on earth. He's like, this is wonderful. Everything. I'll give you anything. The only thing you can't have is you can't eat any fruit from this particular tree. And sure enough, Eve goes, and she says, oh, it looks really good. She eats it. She passes it to Adam, and Adam's like, no, 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 I don't think I should do that. But she's like, it's good. It's really, really good. And so he eats it. And then Adam becomes a little bitty, whining complainer. Do you remember the story? He looks at him, and he says, this is the woman you created. This is your creation, God, and it's her fault. It's her fault. She made me do it. And at the very beginning of the first story of humanity, we find a complaining story in it, and it continues throughout scriptures. Now, maybe the one group of people that complained more than any other in the Old Testament were God's people, the Israelites. And I want us to look at their story today. Now, Uh, You might remember we talked last week that the Israelites were God's people who for 400 years were in slavery for 400 years. All they knew was to be a slave morning, noon and night being a slave. And all they could think about was, God, can you get us out of here? That was their prayer for 400 years. God, get us out of here. And finally, God raises a guy by the name of Moses, and he says, Moses, I'm going to use you. We're going to do some supernatural stuff, but we're getting my people out of Egypt. And so they've been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. Moses comes to take them out, and he does all of these supernatural things. One of those is that after uh, 10 plagues were given and Pharaoh's finally like, I'm done with these people. Uh, Your God's greater than me, and your God's greater than our God. They can leave. And a million people leave. And the workforce leaves. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh, the president of Egypt, is like, that's all the people doing the work. We need to get them back. So they take off Pharaoh and his army to get the Israelites. The Israelites come up to the edge of a sea called the Red Sea. And they're stuck. They can't go back. And they can't go forward. And God does this miracle in the midst of that. He opens, he parts the Red Sea, and the Israelites are able to walk across. They get all the way across, and Pharaoh and his army are coming, when all of a sudden, he washes them away, and the enemy is defeated. Now, this is the first time you have it, that this whole group of people have ever experienced freedom. For the first time ever, they're like, we are free! we're free. We no longer have to worry about anything. And God does some amazing miracles for him. He says, Hey, now that you're in the desert, it's going to be hard to get food. So I'm going to send food from heaven to you. And these rocks over here, I'm going to be able to pour up water from them. And your clothes are never going to wear out. Think about that. Your clothes never wear out. And he met their needs every day. And you would think that the Israelites, wouldn't you think that they would be like, Thank God you're such an amazing God. We praise you. It's so wonderful that you're a God. But you know what they do? They complain. And you know what they start complaining about? We're eating the same food all the time. Just the same food all the time. And they've had it. They're done with it. And they're frustrated by the fact that God does this, even to the point that they say, we wish we were back in Egypt. Back in slavery. Now, let's look at Scripture. It's really hard to imagine. Exodus chapter 16, starting in verses 2 and 4, it says this. In the desert, the whole community, that means everybody, everybody there, the whole community, what did they do? What's it say? They grumbled. Let's all say grumbled. No, no, grumbled. Grumbled. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. They grumbled. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron, Moses' brother. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died in the Lord's, uh, by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And here's God's people. And they are putting on a clinic when it comes to complaining. Complain, complain, complain. Isn't it weird? They finally have freedom, and they're like, we'd rather have food. We would actually rather go go back and have the food from Egypt than to have freedom. We'd rather fill our stomachs than we would anything else. We'd rather have slavery and have our stomachs full than to be free. And God's like, I can't believe it. And if you continue to read this story, they start complaining, we're going to die out here. We wish we were back in Egypt. Uh, they're going to kill our kids. We're, they're going to take over our wives. This is not going to be a good thing that comes. Folks, here's the deal. If you want to be divisive, if you want to hurt the heart of God, if you want to drive other people away from you, If you want to hurt yourselves, then do what they did. And that is keep on complaining. Keep on rationalizing every time that you have a complaint and excuse it away. Say, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is complaining at work, so I'm going to do it too. But if you want to live a life that truly honors God, you have to live a life in a significant way and you choose to finally do what I chose to do at the beginning of this year, and it's this, I quit complaining. I quit complaining. Now, I want to unpack this whole issue of why complaining is so dangerous because I think some of you think, no, it's not a dangerous thing at all. But there is a cost, folks, to every time you complain. Here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, you can... uh, Fill that in. This is the first thing you can fill in, or you can do it on your app. And it it's this: What's the cost to it? Complaining offends the heart of God. Complaining offends the heart of God. I had a friend uh, growing up whose name was Chris, and I'm not doing one of those illustrations where I'm talking about myself, but I'm really not talking about myself. Okay. His name is Chris McDaniel. He lives in Kokomo, Indiana. If you want to go find this complaining person, go ahead. You can go ahead. But his whole life, growing up, he was a complainer. As a very small child, whenever you would go to his house, they had a family table, and he had one chair. And if anyone even uh, touched that chair, let alone sit in it, he would start complaining and whining like a little kid. Now, my, lo- now my mom loves to tell the story that... Um, One day, she went to go for a Bible study at Chris's house because she was friends with his mom. And my aunt went with uh, them. And my aunt didn't know. She just found a chair that was around the table. And so she goes ahead and she sits down. And she sits down, doesn't think much about it. And pretty soon, Chris walks in and he says this. You get out of my chair. It's my chair. She's sitting in my chair. Get out of my chair. And this is what his mom said. It is his chair. Oh my goodness. Could you please get up? Oh, look at you. Some of you are like, oh, my kid has never done that. I've seen some of your kids do some stuff, okay? All right, maybe not that bad. But my aunt gets out of her chair. She actually sits down then, and it goes on. Now, this is the truth. Chris got beat up a lot as a kid, you know. I mean, it's true, because he was a whining complainer. And the thing is, it didn't stop there. Uh, when Star Wars first came out, it was real big. He wanted to have all the figurines. He had more stuff than anything, any other kid I'd ever seen. But he would whine and complain all the time. I want more. I want this. I want that. I want the other thing. And then, when computers first came out, he was the only kid that I knew that had a Commodore 64, I'm not that old. Some of you are going to have to Google it right now. But he started complaining that it was so slow. And his parents, most of the time, wouldn't do anything. Now, here's my point. God loves you way too much for you to live a life of complaining. He will not be like Chris's parents and sit on the sideline while you choose to complain because he loves you too much. Numbers 11, verse 1. It says this. Now the people, that is the Israelites. What did they do? They complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when He heard them, everybody help me. What does it say happened? What did He do? His, His what? Anger. His anger was aroused. In other words, He is ticked off by their complaints. The Bible then goes on. Then. Fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of their camps. Their complaining angered God so much that he threw fire from heaven to burn up the outskirts of their camps. So I'm just telling you, once the snow thaws and you go out to your yard, if anything is ever burnt on the outside, you better go in that house and say, We're stopped complaining. We are done with complaining up in this house, okay? Just get rid of it. Again, this first principle, folks, is very clear. Complaining offends the heart of God. Here's the second thing. Complaining carries significant consequences. It does. Complaining carries significant consequences. Now, very practically, what complaining will do is it will drive people away. You complain all the time and... It will drive people away. I read a quote this week. Complainers have spiritual bad breath. I know, kind of nasty, isn't it? But come on, let's all be real. You ever walk up to somebody and you're talking to them and they got some bad breath and what's the first thing you do? Ooh, I step back. They start talking to you, they, they get closer to you and you like set, step back. You know, you keep doing that. And when people complain all the time, what does it do? It drives you away. It also hurts you. We'll talk about that in a second. But I want you to see from Scripture that complaining carries a significant consequence with God. Here's what God says in Numbers uh, chapter 14, verse 27. He reaches out to his community, the Israelites, again, and he says, How long Will this wicked community what? What's it say? Grumble Grumble against me. There's that word again. I I heard them complain, these grumbling Israelites. So tell them. He's like, Moses, I'm done. I've had it. I don't want any more. Moses, you go tell them. So tell them, as surely as I live, not one of them will enter the land, this promised land that God was going to give to them. I swore with uplifted hands, To make your home. Hey guys, you know that thing that you've been dreaming about? That prophecy has talked about for forever? You know this this whole concept that we were going to come to a promised land? Guess what? The thing that you want the most, you're not going to get it. Now your kids are going to get it, but you're not going to get it. None of you are here except two. And he said, Joshua and Caleb, those two guys, you're going to be able to be in the promised land. But not even Moses. You are going to be able to do that. He says, I'm tired of your complaining so much that when we get to this land, you will not enter it. You won't get there. You complain too much. Now, I can't prove this directly, that God is ever going to do that in your life. But because he did it here, there is a fair chance, and maybe even a more than fair chance, that there is something that God really wants to bless you with. Or there is something that you really want. You're asking God. You've been praying about it. And God would love to give it to you. But it could be, according to the scripture, if we read into what he did there, there may be a time in which God says, you know what? No. Just like I would to my kids. My kids come up and they've been whining and complaining. And they're like, but we're going to go to this party. No, you're not. You're not going to that party. They're whining and complaining. This just happened this week. They're whining and complaining. We want to get on the computer. No, you're not. You've got to learn, folks, that you can't complain against the person who blesses you. Because at some point, I'm not going to bless you with what you want. Because you're complaining, God says, drives me crazy. And folks, it can be significantly costly to you. Again, the cost is not only spiritual, but it can be practical as well. I was reading an article this week in which psychologists have studied the power of complaining. And one of the things that they noted was that as they would uh, see clients in their office, that people who had a higher level of complaining all the time, that more negative things were happening to them constantly. Uh, And they make a fair point. For example, there was a realtor one day that had uh, some people come. They were moving into the community. They wanted to look at some houses. And so the realtor started showing them the houses, and all they could do was complain. They didn't like anything. Every time they'd say something, they'd be like, ah, don't really like that. How about this house? Nah, I don't really like that. And they said to the realtor, hey, just curious, what are the people like here in this town? And the realtor came back and said, well, I'm curious, what were the people like that were in the town that you're coming from? And they said, oh, those people, they were judgmental, they were negative, they were gossips, they weren't very good people. And the realtor said back, well, I think that you'll probably find those same type of people here in our town. I really do. I think they're here. Well, the next day another family came and they were looking at houses and the realtor shows them these houses and they're delightful. And they're like, oh, we kind of like this and this house and we kind of like that and that house and that's kind of cool, we like that. And the family said, well, we're kind of curious, what are the people like in this town? And the realtor came back and he said, well, let me ask you, what are the people like in the town that you're coming from? And they said, oh, they're great people, they're wonderful people. Many of those people are like salt of the earth, they're great friends to us, good quality people. And the realtor looked back and said, well, you know what? Chances are you're going to find those same kind of people right here because you'll discover that there are many people that are just like you in this place. You see, folks, it depends upon what your perspective is. And you can go out and you can find many things to complain about. You can find all kinds of stuff, no matter what, to complain about. You can be bitter and critical and negative, and I guarantee you can find things out there that are bitter and critical and negative. <clears throat> Excuse me. Guys, serious? Like here I come. Derek, Mikey. It's half empty.
1: It's
0: like half empty, half empty, half empty. All the time. Here I am. I do I have to do everything myself. What's the deal? It's half empty, half empty, half empty. I'm tired of you guys. Now, think about that. A lot of life are choices like that. Do you see it half empty or do you see it half full? And you get to choose. And what your choice is, folks will definitely take you in two totally different directions. Folks, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. And when it comes to me and where I'm going, and when it comes to you and where you're going, attitude is everything. A couple of weeks ago on December 23rd, uh, my wife had to work the night shift, so she went in at uh, 6 p.m., worked till 7 a.m., and I knew she would be exhausted and tired, and so after I put the kids to bed, I stayed up till about 2, 2.30 in the morning, because we didn't have church the next morning, we had it in the afternoon, so I stayed up and I cleaned up the whole house the way that she likes it, okay? So that means, like, you clean the toilets really good, you know, not just halfway, but really, really good. And we get everything cleaned, everything's wonderful, and she came home. She was so excited, and uh, on Christmas Day, we were going to have her family come to our house. And so I knew that would take away anything, you know, that she was stressed about. So they come, December 25th takes place, and her family ransacked our home. I mean, they just destroyed it. We have two nephews. They're crazy. They're out of control I don't know why anyone would want to have two boys like that, but they're my nephews. And uh, anyway, so they're there like crazy. And my wife, though, is really trying to work hard at trying to be present and not be perfect. And so one thing she decided was we weren't going to spend the whole week, every single day, cleaning up. We were going to play with all the kids' games. We were going to have fun. We were just going to have a blast. And so we did that all week. Went on day trips. It was a great vacation. We just had a wonderful time being present with one another. Well, January 1st came, though, and Jen's spirit of being present wasn't so present anymore. And she wanted us to clean the house. And so she came down the stairs and she said, hey, guys, uh, I think today, you know, is our last day of uh, everything. We, we need to clean this up. And so if you can help out, that'd be great. And we'll start off the new year right. And when she said that, all of a sudden, grumbling entered my brain. I thought to myself, we clean it up. Where was the we on December 23rd? It wasn't a we, it was me that was cleaning it up. And I cleaned up everything on, uh, for Christmas. And then if you remember, your family came over here. And your family messed up our house. And I was the one who had cleaned it up. But I want you to know, because I am a pastor.
1: <laughs>
0: I started cleaning. But I cleaned with Complaining attitude, and then all all of a sudden, I started noticing my girls would come up and they'd ask a question about something, you know, fun or whatever, and I'd be like, "Is your room cleaned up? Do you have your room cleaned up? Go clean your room up, okay, Dad?" And pretty soon, it stopped from that until they started whining and complaining about all kinds of stuff, and they were having bad attitudes. And then Jen came downstairs. She's like, what is going on? She's like, I have to work tonight too, you know. I have to go in and I have to work a 12-hour shift tonight. Could you just help me? I mean, what's going on? And she's complaining and everyone's complaining. And there's eyes that are rolling and heads that are turning. And that was just Jen. Like, that wasn't the girls, you know. (laughs) And, And all of a sudden, it just like hit me. The Holy Spirit like just hit me in that moment. And said, because of my complaining attitude, it affected the entire house. In fact, it infected the entire house. And Jen was just getting ready to walk out the door. And I'm like, hey, hey, sorry, babe. You know, and I apologized to her. I apologized to the girls. There's still some eyes being rolled. You know, we're being real here in the bunch household. And I don't do this all the time, but in that moment, I said, we're just going to pray right now. And we're going to pray that this complaining spirit leave from our house. And we were like, be gone. And I can say at least until January 14th, okay, we're not all the way through, but that spirit hasn't been back in our house. You know, folks, the problem with complaining is that you start with a complaint that is just a little snowflake. But over time, that snowflake then becomes a snowball. And then over time, that snowball becomes bigger until there's an avalanche of complaining that is coming down on you and those that you love. And before long, if you're not clear about it, pretty soon you can't complain against anybody else and you start directing your complaints upward toward God. And the reason this happens is because of this we finally decide that we're going to replace ourselves with God. We're going to put ourselves in His place that no longer is He the main character of the story. We want to be the main character of the story. So God, I'm taking you off the throne that you're on and I'm the main character now of this story. And any time that we want to complain, because we have a God-given right now, we complain about what we don't have, what we don't uh, need, or what we need what we think we should have. And then ultimately, all the complaints are directed towards God. Because in the story, what happens is we say, I don't want to be a secondary character anymore. I want to be the main character of the story. Folks, at the root of complaining is an intense spiritual problem that we think we're God. And when anything doesn't go our way, when... Things don't happen the way, in the manner that we think it should. We think it's our God-given right then to be able to complain towards Him. However, the bottom line is this, folks. God is the center of the story. He is the main character, not us. He does not exist to serve us. God isn't on the throne somewhere going, Oh, can I make them happy? How can I make them happy? Happy, 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 happy. No, 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 no. He doesn't do that. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We exist to serve him. He's the main character, folks. He's the main character. We are not. And this is a very serious problem. When we try to switch who is the main character of the story. So what do we do? What do we do in a culture where complaining runs rampant? It seems like it's everywhere and it's expected. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when you get around your friends, you guys all complain about the same thing? Because you know why it is? You have a cluster of friendship, and sometimes the focus of that is what we complain about. What do we do? How do we restrain our complaining? How do we restrain our complaining? Well, here's the first thing. We choose not to complain. We just make a choice and say, we do not complain. We kick the complaining out of the house. Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest followers, said this. And let's read this out loud, all of us together. Here it is. Let's read out loud together. One, two, three. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Let's say it again. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Uh, Some of you right now, you're like, I'm going to write that down for my kids. My kids need to know that. They're going to memorize this. Several years ago, when uh, our girls were very little, three and five, we decided we were going to have some bunch building blocks, some foundations of what we were going to do. And we have these five scriptures that are on our refrigerator. And regularly, we look at those, and we read them, and we talk about them. And one of them is the one that we just looked at. Do everything without complaining or arguing. And because we have whiners in our house, we added whining. I told them there is a synonym for complaining or arguing. It's called whining, and God doesn't like it either. So do everything without complaining or arguing or whining. And this is the thing, folks. If you as a a family don't build your building block on something, you're going to have whiny, argumentative kids all the time. You've got to make a choice, finally, that as parents, we're going to lead in this area. You can steal this idea. Take it. Put it up on your refrigerator. Now, this is not just for kids, though, is it? No. This happens with all of our relationships. If you're married and you're struggling with something and you're really uh, you know, really having a hard time in your marriage, I promise you that there is complaining and arguing that's going on. Why? Because you have chosen to flip the switch on who is the main character of your marriage. All of a sudden, you said, No, no, no. You're not the main character anymore, God. I am. And if anything doesn't live up to my expectations, you have a God given right then to complain. And when complaining hits a marriage, it doesn't just start with a snowflake, but it becomes a snowball and eventually. It can be an avalanche. I've seen couples come in before and I'll say, hey, tell me what you like about each other. Like, I don't know if I like very much. I'll say, okay, well, what don't you like? And they'll say, well, I don't like the fact that he doesn't pick up his socks. And then all of a sudden they start talking about divorce. And where did they go from picking up socks to divorce? You know what the middle ground was? What the root cause of everything was? Complaining was the root. So do everything without arguing or complaining. Ephesians 4.29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Anytime that you're ready to complain this week, everybody look up here just for a second. Anytime you're ready to complain this week, this is what I want you to do. Bite your tongue. See, I can't even say it. Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. Don't bite it off, some of you, okay? But bite your tongue. Anytime you're ready to complain, just stop and then watch how much less you talk. Some of you will figure that out later on. You'll be like, oh, that was so good. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up according to the needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't complain and ride your kids all the time. Figure out a way to build them up. Don't complain about your job. Don't be the person who comes in and goes, Ah, this job stinks. And you know why it stinks? Because all these other people around here, they never pull their weight. They never work as hard as I do. What is their problem? Walk into it and say, God, thank you that I have a job, and today you want me to make a difference in my work environment. No matter what, let what comes out of your mouth be helpful for building up rather than tearing down. Let me ask you this. Does complaining make anything better? Have you ever been like, oh, I'm so glad we complained for about a half hour. It solved all our problems. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Here's the last thing. Second principle to restrain from complaining, and that is to choose to become more like Christ. Why do we not complain? Because we are choosing to become more like Christ. Now, this is very important, especially for Christ followers. So if you're not a Christ follower, count the lights, whatever you want to do. But this is for those of you that are. Why do I restrain from complaining? So that I can become more like Christ. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 2. Remember verse 14 what's it say do everything without what complaining, complaining or argue. or arguing why so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and deprived generation now this is amazing to me when paul is writing this do not complain about anything or argue about anything why so that then he goes on to say you may become blameless and pure What's that mean to be blameless and pure? What's that like? Well, that's like Christ. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Now, here, Paul never said this Do not lie, do not cuss, do not cheat, do not steal, do not look at women lustfully so that you may become pure. He doesn't say any of that. What does he say? How do you become pure? By what? Not complaining. Do not complain. Because if you think about it, folks, complaining is really a heart issue. At the root of it all is the fact that we have replaced ourselves with God as the center of the story. But if you can remove yourself, if you can allow yourself to be at the center of the plot and just allow God to be in his rightful place, then you'll stop complaining. You can become... Children of God without fault in a very corrupt generation. Now if you think about it, what I've talked about so far absolutely has nothing to do internally, but it's all external. About how we deal with the external, how we deal with our mouths. Remember, I said this week, uh, whenever you're ready to complain, what do you do? Bite your tongue. The ER is going to have a lot of extra visitors this week, I can tell. But trying to restrain our mouths is all external. But Jesus said this actually, when it comes to complaining, it is an internal matter, not an external one. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus said this. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So here's my question for you this morning. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? What's in your heart towards other people? What's in your heart toward God? It might be some petty things in your heart might be some really big things, but each time that you complain, it comes from your heart to your mouth to God. And you're telling God in that moment, you're not the main character and I have a God given right to complain about what I want to complain because I am my own God. And you switch roles every time you do that. But when you take yourselves out of being The center of the plot, and you put only Christ and Christ alone there, Jesus Himself, that then you can have a heart that overcomes complaining. Because you realize that when I complain, it offends God. It has significant consequences to my life. And so I'm choosing today. I will not complain because I want to become more like Christ. And so today you can do that. You can say today is the day I stop complaining. And you become like him and you say, God, I'm ready to let you have that place. But I'm telling you right now, here's my heart, Lord. You can have my heart, all of me. You can have me, but I'm stopping the complaining today. Let's stand.
1: My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all, take it all. My life in your hands. My heart. My heart is yours. Take it all, take it all, my life in your hands. Take it all, take it all, my life in your hands. I lead down my life, take up my cross. Trust you in your presence, I live.
0: If you would, uh, just close your eyes and uh, let's pray. And uh, if this whole God thing is uh, new to you, just feel free to take a moment to meditate. But if you're standing there right now, I mean let's just cut to the chase today maybe something within the teaching or within god's spirit convicted you to be like you know what i am a complainer i am god but i don't want to be that way i want to change and so if that's you right now if you're like that's me Would you just raise your hand and say, God, I want to change. I don't want to be a complainer anymore. God, uh, no one's looking just between you and God. God, this is my day. I stop the complaining. I want to change. You can put your hand down. Let's pray. Loving Father, I pray right now for every hand that was just raised, that you would work in the hearts of those people. Help them to see, God, that you're the main character of their story that if they will place you at the center of that story, that they can overcome a complaining heart. God, align our hearts with your heart. Instead of finding all kinds of things that we could tear apart and pick apart, help us to be able to do what only you can do, God, to be able to help us to be overwhelmed with your goodness and with your love. Now, maybe the truth is that today, as... You stand there. You've never said, Jesus, I give you my heart. God, I've been a complainer most of my life, but I've never said I want you to be the center of my story. But I recognize it right now, God, that I want that. So if that's you, if that's where you're at, if you're at a point where you're saying, God, I need something different. I need you to be at the center of my life. That Jesus, I've sinned, I'm outside your will, I need your forgiveness. If today is your day to say that, I don't want any more for me to be the center of my life. That you're saying today, I want you to be the center of my life. If you're ready to do that, say I quit complaining and I give my life to you. If today's the first day that you want to follow Christ or, or maybe you've been drifting from him from a while. And you know it, it's in your heart. You've been drifting, you've been complaining. But today you're like, God, I want to give my life fully back to you. If that's you, I want to invite you to repeat a prayer after me. And it's not just any prayer, but it's a prayer that we all pray. And we never pray alone here at the jar. But if this is your first time, receive this as you're praying it to God. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my heart to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. No more complaining. I don't want to hold anything back. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer for the first time. You guys can take a seat.
2: Hey, everybody. We just want to celebrate with you if that is your first time saying that prayer. We are just so excited for you. And, and if you're recommitting today, uh, we also want to invite you to go stop by the Accepted Christ table in the back corner. So uh, be sure to stop by there. Um, we just want to celebrate you today. And uh, also, uh, we're going to go over just a couple of quick things before we head out of here today. Um, Your Connect card. That looks like that. Uh, we're going to have the offering in just a minute here, so if you would fill that out and then put that in there for us, just a way for us to get connected to you. You can also fill it out on the app. Chris mentioned that earlier on, so that's a great a great resource. If you did say that, uh, that prayer for the first time today, you're committing your life to Christ, please check that blue box in the corner of your Connect card, just again so we can reach out to you and connect with you and celebrate with you. Um, so... Uh, We also, if you're brand new here today, have guest connections, which is in the corner as you're leaving. Ruthanna is is waving her hand over there, so be sure to stop by. That is uh, where we can give you a free gift, uh, no strings attached. We just want to say welcome and that we're glad that you're here. So be sure to do that. Um, if you are new and maybe you've gone to Guest Connections, but you've been coming here for a little while and you're not sure what's the next step, uh, First Steps with Chris is a great thing, a great opportunity to meet Chris, find out who we are as a church, uh, how we came to be, how we can get more connected, all that sort of thing. That is going to be on Sunday, January 21st. That's going to be uh, right directly after second service. Um, there's going to be food and child care provided, just a way to get to know both our staff and also some other new people. So definitely go to First Steps with Chris on January 21st. Also here at the JAR, we uh, are so happy that we can love on all people, all broken people, because we're all broken. We all have things that are hard for us, that are... uh, Hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we have to get over. And a way we can do that together is celebrate recovery. And that meets every Thursday right here at the Y at 7 o'clock. So if you are done being sad, being hurt, having a thing that you can't get over by yourself, go to celebrate recovery because that's what we can do together. And uh, like I said, any, any hurt, habit, or hang up 7 o'clock on Thursdays right here. And uh, also another way to just get connected to people is through our small groups. So I know personally that I would not have been able to get through some of the stuff that I've gotten through without the support of my small group. I would not be the same person that I am here today without my small group. So if you want to get connected to people, grow deeper in the Bible, and just really... um, Connect as a church, a small group is a great way to do that. We have a lot of small groups that are starting new um, new series uh, because it's the new year. So there's a whole list on the paper, the insert that is in your program. If you are interested in getting connected to a small group and you haven't, be- definitely fill that out, check it out, and um, put that in the offering bag in a few minutes when that goes around so that you can uh, get connected to a small group. I'm telling you, it's a great way to meet new people, get uh, dig deeper into the Bible, and just connect into your community. <clears throat> so I'm going to have the greeters and the prayer team come forward. Um, So if you have anything you need prayer for, that's what our prayer team is for. They're going to be up here in the front, and um, they'll pray with you. So if there's anything you've got going on you need prayer for, definitely come by. So then also we're going to take an offering. We uh, are not a place about pressure here, and we just want to have an opportunity to give back to the generous God that has given so much to us. So if it's your first time here, you know, don't worry about it. No big thing. But if you've been coming to the jar for a long time, just pray about it and see what God uh, is calling you to do. So you bow with me. Dear Lord, just thank you that we can be here today, that we can be learning about you, that we can be learning to not complain and to have hearts that are open to your words and focused on you, Lord. We ask that this offering expand in your kingdom and just move mountains lord we can do so much through you and through your power and we just pray that you're here today and that you're in our hearts always and that we can just be changed through you lord in jesus name we pray amen
1: No. Oh.
0: when you're tempted to complain, what do we want you to do? Bite your tongue. Uh, Become more like Christ. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. Thanks, everybody.